0: Well thank you Maria for reading for us and good morning my name is Mike I'm one of the pastors here and uh, you might remember we've just we're taking a break for a couple of weeks so we, we started Malachi at the beginning of this term uh, and uh, we're taking two weeks off because we've been doing something new we've moved to three services uh, we thought what an opportunity just to remember the gospel last week if you call on the name of the Lord Jesus you will be saved and uh, this week to think a bit more about what it is that we are uh, as, a, as a congregation that meets together uh, and we've taken two weeks off to do that. Two weeks is all we need. We're kind of joking uh, with some people at the beginning that uh, after you've done things twice here, it's not new anymore because everything changes all the time. Uh, so two weeks and then we'll go back to Malachi next week. That's, that's the plan. But let me pray and then we'll uh, have a think of our topic for today. Let me pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you that all Scripture is God-breathed that it's good for our teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and for training in righteousness so that we might be equipped for every good work. Uh, We pray this morning as we hear your word that you might indeed equip us to be good and faithful servants. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, if you cast your mind back to our uh, Hope and the King uh, weekend, to the June long weekend, if you remember that. Uh, You might remember that we looked at Acts chapter 2. That's the the kind of topic and uh, the the passage we looked at. And uh, if you've joined us since the June long weekend, welcome. It's great to have you here. Uh, We're we're that kind of church. New people seem to join all the time, which is great. But uh, what we did on that June long weekend is announce what we've done the last two weeks. So the June long weekend, the point was to say, hey, we're going to move... Uh, particularly in the morning, to two new services, uh, three services uh, across Sunday. And we started that last week, which is great. Praise God. But uh, as we looked at Acts chapter 2 during that uh, June long weekend, we read this about the very first church. It's up on the screen. We read this. We read that those, those who became the first followers of Jesus, they who became the first followers of Jesus, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And so we we learn that the very first thing uh, about the very first church is that they were devoted. And many of you will know this. The word uh, church, it's not a technical word. The word church does not mean building. So when you think church, don't think building. When you think church, don't think institution. Uh, The word church, it literally means gathering. It means assembly. Uh, it's actually quite an ordinary word, and so the very first thing up on the screen that we learn about the very first church, the very first gathering of, of the followers of Jesus, uh, is that they were devoted. That they're a devoted gathering, and so given we've moved now to to three gatherings here at Hope on a Sunday, uh, in a sense three churches on a Sunday. As we start this new thing, I want us to think about being devoted. What does it mean to be devoted? And I want to ask the question, why be a devoted church? Because it's a good question. Why, why be devoted to church? Why, why be devoted to this gathering, these uh, people? That's the question I want to think, of, to think about today. Because if we're honest, there are so many other things that you can be devoted to. Uh, I think there are about a million little girls now who want to be devoted to being a Matilda. Uh, there are people who are devoted to their careers, people who, who are devoted to their research, people devoted to their bodies and good health, people devoted to their families. Uh, there are people who are just devoted to a simple life. Uh, this is a little bit dangerous, but just, just think of all the other things you could be doing right now. You're sitting here in a building listening to some tall guy talk about stuff. Think about all the other things you could be doing. You could be having a slow morning right now. Just imagine, it. it's a sunny day. It's very lovely. You could be enjoying a nice coffee, basking in the sun. You could have a fresh croissant, one of the good ones that when you bite it, it, like, like it crunches and it flakes everywhere. Because I'm French, I'd be dipping it in my coffee as well. See, right now you could be enjoying the local parks. You could be out playing with your kids. You could be riding the bike paths. You, you could be taking in the beautiful crisp You know, winter air. Uh, I could be at the beach enjoying a surf, which I know sounds crazy because it's a bit too cold for that. But no, it's lovely. Sitting on the ocean, warm in my wetsuit, probably chatting with Tony Troutman, watching as dolphins come by and swim with us while we're surfing. You see, why be a devoted church? Why, Why be devoted to what's happening now? Why give yourself to it? There are so many other things you could be doing right now, so why are you here? I was actually a bit worried to, to do too good a job of describing the alternatives. <laughs> please don't get up and leave, especially talking about croissants. But you, you'd never find a nice flaky croissant around here. Let me know if you do. I'd like to know. Don't leave now, though, please. But why, why be devoted? Why be devoted to this? See, the fact is, there are lots of answers to why. Uh, too many answers, actually, in one sermon. I'll be answering the question of why... Uh, every single Sunday for the next decade or two decades or three decades for as long as God has me here. Because there are so many answers to why. But I've got three for us today. And the first answer is, for we are a family. You see, why be a devoted church? Because we as a gathering, as the congregation that meets here in Leppington at 9 a.m., we are a family. And it's, it's really helpful to be clear on what church is not. So again, church, it's not the building. Forget that. You know, all the kind of, oh, if I went into a church building, well, I'd probably get struck by lightning because I'm such a bad person. Forget that. Church, it's not a building. It's not even an institution like the Anglican church. That's not what church is. Uh, Church is not something that you come to experience. Uh, Church is not a place you go to to do business with God. You don't come here on a Sunday once a week to go, I need to go do business with God. I better go to church. No, that's not church. Church is not a social club, it's not a sporting club, it's not a society to commit to, it's not a charity to be a member of, it's not even, it's not even simply just a community to be a part of. See, church, what we are here as the congregation that meets at 9am, is a family. And again, it's really, it's really good to be helpful here. We're not like a family. So the New Testament talks in all sorts of metaphors to describe the church, uh, it, it describes God's church like a body, like a vine, uh, like a building. The Bible uses all sorts of metaphors to talk about what church is like, but it never says that the church is like a family because it's not like a family. It's, it is a family. I, I don't think we grasp this enough, and I, and I think I can say that with all confidence because sometimes I don't grasp this reality enough. See, look, look at what Romans 8 says up on the screen. It says this about us. It says, You, the Christian, receive the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if God's children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. We're so used to hearing this, but just let it sink in just a little bit. Just imagine that God, universe, creator, powerful over all things. See, for the Christian, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you call that God Abba, Father. You are God's child. Again, we're going to be clear on this. You're You're not like a child of God, you are a child. See, only the Christian is privileged to be a child of God, to have God as Father. You know how sometimes people say, oh, everyone is a child of God, like in that really nice sentimental sort of way? That's wrong. Everybody is made in the image of God, but they're not a child of God. Only the Christian can call God Father. And do you see what else that verse says up on the screen? It says, we're also, if you look at the last line there, it says that we're also co-wares with Christ. Which again, I think, blows our minds. Look at Hebrews chapter two now up on the screen. It says this. It says, the one who sanctifies, that's Jesus, and those who are sanctified, that's us, the Christian, all have one Father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them, you, me, brothers. Do you see what that's saying? Yes, Jesus is our Lord. Yes, Jesus is our King and our Savior, but He's also our brother. That the Christian is a co heir with Christ. We inherit with Him. Why? Because we have the same Father. We are children of God the Father. And there's so much that we could think about in light of that truth, that here's what I want us to see today. I want us to see this. We, this church, this gathering of God who meets here at 9 a.m. at Leppington, we are a family. We have the one Heavenly Father. We have Jesus as our brother. And so all of us are brothers and sisters in Christ. We need, we need to start thinking more that way. You see, why be devoted why be a devoted church? Why be, why be devoted to this gathering that we have here? The fact is that they are your family. You're not like a family. You are a family. We are a family. We're, we're not a community to belong to. We're not, a, we're not a club. We're not a society. We're not a, a group activity on a Sunday morning where we go, hey, let's go do this thing together just because we've got an activity to do. No, no, this is your family. This is your wonderful, diverse family. Do you remember what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12? Uh, Jesus' physical mother and brothers were looking for him. They wanted to speak to him. And Jesus said this to them up on the screen. He said this. He says, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And then stretching out his hands towards his disciples, Jesus said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven, that person is my brother and sister and mother. Now, I know I'm laboring the point. but I just want us to grasp how big a deal this is. See, what Jesus says in Matthew 12, it's radical. He's not saying abandon your physical family. Of course not. The the reality is, the, the irony is, when you become a Christian and you become part of God's family... It actually helps you be a better part of your physical family and to love them more and to serve them more. That's how it works. But what Jesus is saying up on that verse on Matthew 12, what Jesus is saying is that what we have here, as you look around at this room, are your brothers and your sisters and your mothers. Because we are as family, and I actually think the Bible says we are even more family than your physical family. Does that blow your mind at all or does that offend you a little bit hold on like you know these people are okay but <laughs> more 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 important than my physical family It's what the bible says we, we will have eternity together we will be brothers and sisters for all eternity it's a big deal it's a big reality to grasp and what are families to do, at least well-functioning families I know families have their problems, they all do. but what's a, what's a well-functioning family to do? Well, they are to be a part of each other's lives. And they are to eat meals together, and they're to laugh together, and they're to, to dance together, and they're to have family to share family joys and, and share family difficulties. They're to share possessions and share their money and share their emotions and, and carry one another's burdens. A loving brother or sister or mother will speak a word of encouragement. And because they love you, they'll also speak a word of warning and speak a hard word when necessary. That's what families do. You see, when we meet together like this on on a Sunday, when we meet together in our hope groups during the week, when we share a meal at each other's homes, what we're doing is being the family that God has made us to be. And don't think, you know, kind of long-lost cousin kind of family. You know that long-lost cousin? We've all got them. I've got a few, actually. You know, that distant relative. Uh, hopefully, not listening because of my line. I'm just about to say, you know, the distant relative who smells really bad and never showers and who, you know, who you barely kind of remember their name and they turn up to the, the family affair once every 10 years. That, that's not the picture. The picture here is immediate family. Brother, sister, mother, Jesus says. That is what we are. Uh, you know that old saying: you you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. That's true of us. That's true, and I don't mean to offend anyone because I think you're all great, but uh, you wouldn't have chosen each other to be in your family if you had a choice. It's just the reality: you you wouldn't choose to be a family together. You just you wouldn't because. As even as I look around the room, I know people here have different hobbies, different interests, different backgrounds. You would not choose to be a family together. We're all so different. We, we wouldn't naturally cross paths. But what God has done is he has put us together. Uh, we are brothers and sisters with all our strengths and with all our weaknesses. And so get to know your family. Get to know each other. Because our family, this family we have here, is so wonderful and so diverse. Get to know them. Get to love them more and more. Hear their stories. There's heaps of stories that we can share with each other. Be committed to this family here at 9 a.m. Don't always sit with the same person every week. Don't always speak to those you know after church. Get to know the rest of your family. Uh, That's why we make sure we don't put too many chairs out each week. You know how it's a bit of a mess when people first come in and you kind of go, oh, can you go sit there? It's because we want people to sit together, to sit next to each other, because we're family, because we want people to have incidental conversations during the bit when the kids go out or when we finish straight after the service. You're next to people you don't quite know and you can say hello and get to know your brothers and sisters because we're not a cinema and we're not, you know, a, a theatre production where, where you come and you watch and you consume. No, we're a family. And as you get to know your family here at 9am, you will be wonderfully blessed. So blessed. I already have, as I've it to people. You will get to meet people from all sorts of different backgrounds that you wouldn't otherwise meet. You will get to meet, with people, meet people with all sorts of different gifts and interests that you don't have and that you can learn about and be excited about. You'll be amazed as you speak to each other about all the different ways that God has been at work in each of the lives here in our family. You see, you don't get this anywhere else. You don't get such a diverse group of people brought together as a family to love each other anywhere else. What we have here is something that only God could do. And again, be blown in your mind by this. It took the eternal plan of God and the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to make this thing that we have here, to create this thing that we have here, our church family. Let that rightly blow your mind. So, why be devoted? Why be a devoted church? Why be devoted to this gathering at 9 a.m.? Answer number one, for we are family. Answer number two, why be devoted for your own good? And this is where I want us to pick up uh, the reading that we had from Hebrews, the first reading. Uh, And look at what Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12 says. So it's on your outline in front of you or in your Bible. Hebrews chapter 3, look at verse 12. I'll let you flick there if you've got a paper Bible. Verse 12, it says this. It says, watch out, brothers, brothers and sisters. Watch out, brothers, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. And if you know the book of Hebrews, you know that the book of Hebrews is a book of warnings. And this is the warning. The warning is, watch out. Uh, Watch out that you don't depart from the living God. Watch out that, that you don't turn your back on Jesus. But look at what it goes on to say in verse 13. This is the important bit for us. Verse 13, watch out. Verse 13, don't depart from the living God, but encourage each other daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. You see, here are the cold hard facts for the Christian. We live in a world under sin. Uh, We live in a world where you will be bombarded every hour of every day with the ways of the world. And uh, the ways of the world and the ways uh, of sin, they're not always obvious. It's hard to, to, to pick it sometimes and to see it. Uh, Don't imagine the world and the way of sin being like, you know, Satan dressed up in a costume, uh, all in red with horns and a pitchfork. It's not obvious. The ways of the world and the ways of sin, they are deceptive. And if you are trying to survive as a follower of Jesus on your own, outside the church family, without being devoted to your church, you will not survive. Now, you're not saved by going to church. We saw it last week. How are you saved? Well, you're saved when you believe in the Lord Jesus. That's how we're saved. But Jesus has saved us to a family. And you and me, we need each other to help us stick with Jesus. You see, the cold hard fact is this. You will grow cold. You will grow cold to Jesus if you're not devoted to this, your family, to Sundays together, to hope group together, to meals together. If you don't devote yourself to those things, I can tell you, you will depart from the living God. It's what the Scriptures tell us. It's what happens all the time. Uh, You might have heard this illustration before. I think it's a helpful one. But imagine like a a hot coal fire. So you know the black coals all together in a nice hot fire. Uh, And imagine that hot coal fire burning red and hot. And if you uh, took one of those coals out of that fire, glowing red as you pull it out, and then you put it on the ground next to the coal fire by itself, away from all the other bits of coal, very quickly that one coal stops glowing, and the red will disappear, and it will grow cold. But just as quickly, once you put that one lonely coal back in with the others, hot as the others are, grouped together as they are in a pack, almost instantly it grows red again, and it glows, and it fires up. You see, you cannot be a Christian on your own. We need each other. Uh, I don't want to sound desperate here, but I need you. (laughs) I do. I need you. I need you to point out when I am being deceived by sin. Because I, I can't see it when I'm being deceived. That's why it's called a deception. Because you can't see it. You're blind to it. And you need others to point it out to you when you are deceived. Because you can't see it. That's why it's called a deception. You're deceived. That's why verse 13 says, encourage each other daily, which means, you know, when we meet together every Sunday once a week, or we meet together midweek in our hope groups, that's the bare minimum. It means we enjoy meals together. It means we do activities together. It means we have things like little lambs where lots of parents come together. We have men who come here almost every Tuesday as well, and even yesterday on Saturday, to work the grounds around our churchy, And they gather together and they encourage each other. It means we take walks with one another, that we message each other, that we have phone calls that people make to us to see if we're okay that we have people offering to have coffee with us because they want to see how we are. And most importantly, it's having your brothers and sisters speaking God's word to you and the truth to you. See, look again at our verse from Acts chapter 2 from our Hope in the King weekend. It's up on the screen. See, the very first thing that says that we're to be devoted to. You see, we're to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. Because what we have here on a Sunday, this is, it's the family sit-down time. That's what we're having now. It's, it's the family sit-down time where we hear the apostles' teaching, where we hear the Bible read, where we sing, really, the truths of God to each other, where we hear the Bible taught. This is the family sit-down time. And then in your hope groups during the week, it's, it's the brothers and sisters devoting themselves again to the apostles' teaching. And in the hope group, what you do is you discuss the word together, and you pray for one another, and you share life together. You watch out for one another. You see, why be a devoted church? Why be devoted to this gathering here at 9 a.m.? It's for your own good. Because sin is deceptive. And on your own... I've I've never met a Christian who doesn't come to church regularly or who, someone who calls themselves a Christian and, stop, and stops coming to church regularly, who's still with the Lord. If you're on your own, you won't do it. You will depart from the living God. But here's the other side of the coin. Why be devoted? It's not just for your own good, but it's for the good of your brother and sister in Christ. And this is where we come to that second reading from Hebrews. Uh, look now at Hebrews chapter 10 on your sheets or in your Bibles. Again, if you've got paper bio, flick now to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. It says this. It says, let us hold on. Verse 23. You can still hear Bibles flicking, which is good. Chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And again, we saw that last week, that the Christian, the Christian is the one who will be saved. They've made a confession of Jesus, that Jesus is Lord. But it's the next verse I want us to notice. Look at verse 24. Verse 24, And let us, that is us, the family of God, us, the gathering of God's people who meet at 9 a.m., let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works. Not staying away from our worship meetings, from our church meetings, as some habitually do, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Again, it's a simple thing, but what we do is we exist as a family to encourage each other and to promote love and good works to each other. And it's incredible. If you, if you spend your time reading the New Testament, there are so many bits of the New Testament that says that the Christian is to love one another. And that the Christians are to speak the truth to each other. And in humility, we're to count each other more significant than ourselves. We're to humble ourselves and, and, and think of the other and the best of the other. And the New Testament says that over and over again. But you can't do any of that. You can't do what God calls us to do in the new testament you can't obey his word you can't encourage each other unless you're devoted to meeting together you see point number two was you need your brother and sister in christ point three is your brothers and sisters in christ need you we need you can i say when you're not here on a sunday you're missed And your presence is missed. And the encouragement that you bring to other people is missed. And not only are you missed, but your brothers and sisters as well, they can be discouraged. Uh, I've been in a small group uh, like our hope groups that we have here. I've been in a small group for over two decades. And I can tell you when someone doesn't turn up one week, they're missed. They're missed because then you don't get their encouragement that they bring. And particularly, the group leaders can be discouraged. Let me explain it like this. Imagine your hope group leader is like mum preparing the family meal for the week. And so she's been you know, preparing dinner for this night where the family gets together midweek. She's brought the meats, She's marinated it. She's picked the best veggies. She's chopped them all up. She's spent the afternoon slaving away, cooking, you know, happily in preparation for the dinner. Because, hey, the family's coming around. It's going to be lovely. And then... Her son pulls out last minute for no good reason. And it's discouraging. And then that person is missed. And they're missed because they're part of the family. And again, that's why Hebrews, the book of warnings, warns us at this point. Look again at verse 24 and 25. See, verse 24 and 25, God calls us to be concerned for one another, not staying away from our meetings like some habitually do. Because again, we cannot be a family and we cannot do the things the Bible calls us to do and love each other and speak God's truth to each other if we don't meet like this on a Sunday. Please don't sell off your Sundays to the shops and to the sports and to the chores. Because your family needs you, just like you need them. And during our midweek hope groups, they're just as important. See, hope groups, they're crucial to a healthy church family. And if I can be so blunt... They're crucial for you as a Christian. Because if all you're getting is one diet of God's Word on a Sunday where you're being encouraged and and being helped to see the deception of sin, and you miss one Sunday once every three, you're not going to be a healthy Christian. It's not legalism. You don't have to do it, but you're not going to be a healthy Christian. Our hope groups are so important. Please don't sell up your hope group to another night watching Netflix. So, imagine it, you know, TV and Netflix on the one side, or the privilege of praying for your brother and sister in Christ. Another lazy night at home, resting, just kind of taking it easy, or, you know, once during midweek, coming before the God of all the universe and his word and speaking God's truth to each other, bringing prayer requests to God. It should be a no brainer. You see, here's the thing, let me be frank. In many ways, what we do Sunday after Sunday, um, in many ways, what we do in our hope groups, what we do is we open each other's homes to one another and share meals. And when we pray for each other, what we do is very ordinary. And it can feel very ordinary. Uh, if you're here Sunday after Sunday, 52 weeks a year, decade after decade, most Sundays will feel pretty ordinary. It, you know, it won't be like, whoa, my mind's blown today. It's, you, you come every week, you get it. Hopefully, it's good and good ordinary, not not bad ordinary. Yeah, good ordinary. Like first thing in the morning, I have a coffee. That's that's good, (laughs) good ordinary, but ordinary nonetheless. And as you meet midweek with ten or so people in a hope group, sitting around the Word of God week after week, decade after decade, that feels very ordinary. But don't be blind to what's actually going on. Don't be blind. What God is doing with Sundays, with midweeks, with meals, with you sharing God's word with each other, what God is doing is something extraordinary. Do you know what he's doing? He's making you more like Jesus, his son. That's extraordinary. He's, he's helping you to endure to the end, to get to the new creation. When we meet together, Sundays, hope groups, meals, all that, it feels ordinary, but it's extraordinary. God is, it's a miracle that God is doing. You see, God uses us for each other. Through his word, through prayer, through his spirit, that is what God is doing. You see, this, a, a gathering of God, God's people on the Sunday, it feels so ordinary sometimes, but it's extraordinary. What did it take to make this happen? The eternal plan of God. What did it take to make this happen? The blood of God's one and only son. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit to make this family happen. And every week, every day, as we encourage each other, God is doing an extraordinary work. He's making you like Jesus. He's helping you persevere so you can be in the new creation. Did you see? The extraordinary plan of God was there from the very first church. Again, it's Acts chapter 2. It's up on the screen. See what they did? From the beginning, this was the plan. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to God's word, to the fellowship, to meeting together, to the breaking of bread, to having meals together, and to the prayers, to praying for each other. So why be a devoted church? Because that's God's wisdom, and that's God's extraordinary work. And it's really exciting to have three congregations here at Hope. So let us be the sorts of congregations, let us be the sort of family here at 9am that is devoted to each other, And let us trust God's extraordinary plan for us, his people, because it's very good. Let me pray. Well, Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you saved us to be a part of your family and that you've saved us, particularly as this family expresses itself here at 9am at Hope Leppington, that you've saved us to be part of this family. Help us, Father, more and more to see ourselves as brothers and sisters in Christ, to know the great need we have of each other, to both be warned and encouraged so that we might persevere with Jesus, so that you might use us by your spirit and by your word and through prayer to be more like Jesus, your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen.